If, if you're new to City Church or this worship experience, we just want to say thank you for being with us and uh, welcome home. We're really, really honored that you're here today. I saw someone first service that I hadn't seen. They went to City Church 20 years ago when we were way back in our first movie theater, and I saw them today, and great big hug, welcome home. But maybe you're new to our, our experience. We just thank you for joining with us as we worship the Lord. If you're watching online, thank you for uh, watching online today, and uh, we want to remind you, we have services at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 p.m. This morning, we're concluding our series entitled Living the Lord's Prayer. Living the Lord's Prayer. We've been in this series now for five weeks. This is our last week, and uh, we have been walking through the prayer of Jesus, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So we're going to stand together this morning as we quote this passage of Scripture one more time. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. They, the disciples saw Jesus. They saw his ministry. They saw his miracles. And they were really in awe of that relationship, a, a different kind of relationship that he had with their God. And so they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And it was in this manner that Jesus said these words. So let's all say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. This morning, I'm going to speak to you on this topic, training for reigning. Training for reigning. I want to pray today. Tonight, we have our anointing and worship service. And I want to come on. Amen. I want to encourage you. You do not want to miss it. We're going to start at 6 o'clock, and there are some of you that have been sitting at this church for a long time, and you've been dealing with stuff. You've been dealing with maybe a medical diagnosis or problems, and you just, you've kind of just dealt with them, and you just live with them. And I'm believing that there is a God of miracles, that tonight we're going to call on him, and we're going to believe for God to do miracles in this place. Amen? The second thing I'm believing, some of you, you're just tired. You're tired, you're fighting a spiritual battle, you feel like you're losing more than you're winning, and tonight we're going to ask for a fresh wind of God's Spirit. Peter said that times of refreshing will come from the presence of God, and we're just going to welcome, we've been praying all week, Monday through Friday, we've had a number of people up here praying and calling on God, and, and tonight we're just going to conclude this week of prayer. We're going to ask God to fill us fresh as, a, as an individual, but also corporately as a congregation, so you're not going to want to miss it, and then every person that wants prayer tonight, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to anoint you with oil, as James said in James 5.15, and God's going to do something supernatural, powerful in your life. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you this morning for this great work of your spirit. We've already sensed. We've, we've sung about it. We've declared it. We've prayed for one another, and Lord, we know that you are here today to do a mighty work in each of our lives. Lord, I know that uh, people have come here for different reasons, from different backgrounds, from different experiences, and I pray, Lord, that you will do the work that only you can do. God, that your word will become alive, it'll become active and powerful, not only in our ears, but it'll penetrate our hearts and enable us to live the life that you called us to live. God, I ask right now, one more time, that you'll give me the words to speak, not my words, but your words to the hearts and the ears of those who hear. We ask this now in Jesus' wonderful and mighty and powerful name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. It's simple, but not easy. It's simple, but not easy. 
You know, if you train for something, if you, if you set a goal to accomplish something in your life, you, you can read about the goal, you can read about other people's experiences, and it seems simple. Uh, you, you hear these kind of these Horatio tells, these, these people who go from rags to riches, and it just seems so simple. But the fact is, I guarantee if you sit down with anyone who's experienced success in any dimension of life, you found that it wasn't easy. It was full of problems. It was full of pitfalls. It was full of opposition. And I've come to discover that in this Christian life, like the Lord's Prayer, it's simple to say. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive one another. Lead us under temptation. We can quote that verse. We can quote it. But living that verse is a whole different reality. Everyone say training. God has us and training. We are training for something specific, a mission for which Christ has called us to live. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It's been a verse that I've been meditating on, thinking on, memorizing over the last couple of weeks. It's Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy pastored a very large church in the city of Ephesus, and Paul is talking to Timothy about preparing himself for the mission for which Christ has called him. And, and, and this verse number seven, it starts off, he says, hey, listen, Timothy, don't get distracted by, by all kinds of political ideologies and genealogies and fables and mythologies and all these other things that people get stuck up on. Don't do that. But rather, train. Everyone say train. Train yourself to be godly. Everyone say God's part. Everyone say my part. This is our part, to train ourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Everyone say, it's simple, but not easy. You know who told me that? My coach, Doug Wifekorst. Uh, a, a couple of months ago, a, a good friend of mine, he has been attending City Church here now for about 14 or 15 years, and he's had a long history of running. As a matter of fact, yesterday I went to his house, and he brought out a box about this big. It must have weighed 50 pounds, and it was full of medals that he's acquired from running races, and he's run a lot of races. And a couple of months ago, he said, hey, Pastor Eugene, why don't you run a 5K with me? Why don't you run a 5K? Now, you know, I mean, it's simple. <laughs> but it's not easy. And so, oh, 5K, that's nothing. I've been going to the gym and doing a little of this, you know, and I can run a 5K. And so the first day, listen, the first day, I, I go, I'm going to go out, and I'm just going to run three miles, 3.1 miles. Can't be too hard, right? <laughs> we live in Florida. It's summertime. It's humid. It's hot. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning, I get the two, I mean, I actually made it to 2.2 miles, which is pretty good. And this right knee said, I ain't taking another step. And it just quit. It just gave up. And I realized that I had to get into training if I was really going to run this 5K. And so he sent me a schedule. I want you to show you this simple little schedule. This is my simple little running schedule. And there's some really small numbers on here. Well, the first number is one. Everybody say one. That's a simple number. I can do one, right? Then there's off. We like off, right? That's easy. That's an e we got a cheat day, right? We got a day off. But then there's the number three. Three's easy, right? 
then there's off, and then, now this is from a couple of weeks ago, I took this picture because I was going to show it to you last week and didn't get that far of the message, so I saved it for this week, but uh, so this week we've actually, come, we've actually gone down to week number four, and uh, this week is four off, four off, six, everyone say six, six miles, that's what that is, that's an easy number to say, that's not an easy number to run, I can just tell you that right now. Now, I had to have something else. I had to have a goal. See, I know what running is, and you know what running is. You see guys do it all the time, you know, running in your neighborhood, and, and you understand how to do it. Well, you put one leg in front of the other, and right? you understand that, but what's your why? I had to have a why. Now, once I started doing this, I set a goal, a bigger goal. I'm very goal-driven. Like, City Church started, and we kept going, and we didn't quit through all the obstacles, through all the challenges, all the problems, because I had a big why, a big why. I knew God had a mission for us to accomplish, and so I'm driven by goals. And so I said, okay, Doug said, hey, we got a 5K under belt. Let's train for a half marathon. I'm like, you are absolutely nuts, I mean, man, you roll out of bed and you do five miles. I mean, that's 13.1 miles. And so I, I, I wrote it down. I got this little sheet here. I put 13 miles, train to rain, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. And, and then I, I realized that there had to be something more to than just trying to accomplish this goal. And actually, for me, the reason that I exercise and the reason that I watch what I put into my mouth the reason that I do that is because I want to live. I actually have a, a slogan, run to live. I run to live. I literally run to live. About two years ago, I was preaching on Easter Sunday, and I had a problem. I got to the fifth service. Something was happening. My head was pounding. My heart was pounding inside my chest, and I left here, and I had the most excruciating pain that I'd ever felt in my life in my head before. And so I went to the doctor the next day, and they did an EKG, and they said there's an abnormality. There's some kind of abnormality on my heart. And I'm like, I can't be. I'm healthy. I'm Eugene. I don't get sick. Well, guess what? You know what? I've decided that I want to live. And I've decided I want to compete with Methuselah, who lives 669 years of age. I want to hold grandbabies. I have a mission. I'm running for life. Now, here's what happens. So we have to train. We have, everyone say train. So here's what it looks like. Here's, this is last week we ran. Put the next picture up. All right. Last week, Doug and I, we ran six miles. Took one hour. Now, all of you that are like dieting, 800, almost 800 calories in one run. Everyone say, that's a lot of calories. Now, here's the deal. If you run 800, if you lose 800 calories, that's a lot of calories. But you go and you go and pig out, guess what? It's not going to help you any. And so we have a goal. We're running this race. And so yesterday we ran another race. I'll show you a picture here. That we, got. we actually pulled another individual into it, Melanie Castro. She ran with us yesterday. So there's Brother Doug. There's Coach Doug. Everyone say hi, Coach Doug. All right. There's Melanie Castro. She's our connections coordinator. And uh, TJ Stewart or Tim Stewart. Yeah, there's, a Stewart, there's a Stewart brother right over there. Uh, he works for Castleberry Police Department. He was out there working, and we ran yesterday, and you can see our times, and we're, getting, we're starting to get competitive. So out of uh, 63 old dudes that were in our age category, 55 to 59, we came in 22nd and 23rd. That's not bad. I'll take top 30, right? But I've got a goal. I want to be top 10 while we're training for raining. 
And Jesus, in his life, he trained, he trained. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. In Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in knowledge and in favor with God and man. In order for Jesus, in order for Jesus to do what he did in this life and to become the example for you and I, Jesus trained. I know you can't believe that because he's fully God, but he was fully man. He was fully man in the flesh. And what I realize in my life that I need a power greater than myself. And so when I come to Christ today, what I am doing is I am acknowledging, and I made this decision not just 35 years ago, but I made this decision this morning again. I made the decision today to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my master. So Jesus must first become your Lord and your master. If you are going to live a godly life, and did you hear what Paul said? It holds promise for both this life and the life to come. This life holds promise for both this life and the life to come. Jesus must become your master and Lord. He must be the one that you give complete allegiance to. Thomas, who, who had been with Jesus, one of the disciples, Jesus was crucified on the cross, couldn't believe, couldn't believe all the things that he was hearing about him being resurrected from the dead. He encountered him. Jesus actually came to him, showed him the nail prints in his hand, the spear wound in his side. And then when he encountered Jesus, you know what he said? My Lord, you can put the verse up here for me. My Lord and my God. You see, when you encounter Jesus, when you have a real live encounter with the resurrected Jesus, you know what? You have one or two options. You want either surrender or you go the other way. Thomas chose to believe. Thomas surrendered. He made Jesus his Lord. But the second thing that Jesus must become for you, he must become your model. Everyone say model. Now, here's the deal. All of us have people in our life that we desire to, yet we've looked to in our life. So, you know what? I like the way that their life is turned out. You look to them for inspiration. In our culture today, in the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King was a model for people. He was a model for people of bringing people together and working through the issues of discrimination and racism. And we obviously have a long ways to go in our culture, but the fact is this conversation became on the table, and because of his life and the life that he modeled, so many people picked up the cause to lay down the differences of people's skin color and come together to be one brotherhood or be one sisterhood. In our culture, we have business examples, people like Warren Buffett. He becomes a model for people of how to invest your money. Entertainment industry, people like Oprah. I mean, all these different kinds of people, they become models. Uh, The problem with that is those people, they don't have personal relationships with you. But Jesus lived a life He lived a life in such a way that he became a model for us on how to overcome temptation. How to train to reign. I want you to see this next verse. Put the next verse up here for me. The Bible says that Jesus said, I've been your teacher and I washed your feet. I have given you an example. Jesus gives us an example of how to train to reign. You see, every single person in this room, the moment you say yes to Jesus, you enter into training. But you have opposition. You have someone who wants to hinder you. You have someone who wants to stop you. 
There, there is real life opposition. There's spiritual opposition to you accomplishing the purpose and the mission for which Christ has called you to. And so Jesus became our example. The way that he lived his life. The way that he overcame temptation. The way that he dealt with problems. But he was not only our model. You see, you can have a model who is afar off. I, have, as a pastor, have a model of a person that when I think of in my life, I, I've only met him once or twice, and, and he was an amazing guy. But when I think of Pastor Tommy Barnett, who's a very, very elderly gentleman, he's still alive. But when I think of Pastor Tommy Barnett, man, if I could just pastor like Tommy. Tommy was a master pastor. He was an amazing man of God. He inspired pastors. He inspired people to become everything that God had called them to be. He was an amazing man. But I'd never met Tommy. But I also, I also needed a mentor. And Jesus wasn't just a model. Jesus also became a mentor. And this is so important for you and I to understand today. Jesus is with us. Can you put the next verse up for me, please? I need the next verse. Sir. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Everyone say bear fruit. You see, what a mentor does, what a mentor does is a mentor comes alongside of you and out of relationship pulls the best out of you. A mentor comes alongside of you and encourages you. And every person in this room, you need a mentor. And Jesus was our mentor today. He mentors us. He comes alongside. The Bible said he's our helper. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I have a mentor in my life. He's passed away now. His name was Jack Loman. And, and, and so many times, and I told my wife yesterday, I was actually for just no reason, I thought, you know, I think of this man whose name was Jack, who was my mentor more often than I think of my earthly father. I mean, because Jack believed in me. And we had conversations, multiple conversations on the phone about the church and about family and about life. And, and he lived a life, he lived a life in such a way that I could follow. He was such an encouragement. He mentored me. And Jesus today is our mentor. Jesus is not only our master, he's not all our model, but he's also our mentor. Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all points like you and I. I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 4. I want you to see Jesus' temptation. I want, to see, want you to see how Jesus trained to reign. I want you to see how Jesus overcame temptation, the problem of the enemy. We know that the enemy, the enemy of our soul, Satan or Lucifer or liar, as Jesus had called him, or murderer, the father of lies. We know that Satan has a terrible plan for our life. Jesus said it like this. I've come to Satan. Satan has come to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life. And so how did Jesus do that? How did Jesus mentor and model and show us the way? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has to overcome temptation. In Matthew chapter 3, at the very end of the chapter, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptist. And there in the Jordan River, the Bible says, there's a voice that speaks from heaven. It was the voice of the Father and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, who symbol, was symbol, symbolizing a dove, came and in that very moment, Jesus was empowered. He was filled with the Holy Spirit for ministry. 
It was the great, up to that point of his life, up to that point, the first 30 years of his life, that baptism was the most significant moment in Jesus' life. It was the moment where he encountered the fullness of what God was going to do in him to empower him for the ministry that his father had called him to do and accomplish on planet Earth. And Jesus went from that moment, a moment of great, a great blessing into the greatest battle that he would experience in his life up to that point. In Matthew chapter four, I want you to see what happens here. The Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus goes from a moment of great blessing into a time of great battle. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. The tempter came to him. I want you to see what Jesus does. You see, the enemy of our soul was also the enemy of Jesus' destiny. And I want you to see the very first thing that Jesus does. The very first temptation Satan uh, tempts Jesus with is to turn stone into bread. But I want you to see what Jesus did. Uh, look at this. Can you put the next verse up for me? Then Jesus answered, and Jesus said to him, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Did you hear that today? It is written. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus declared the word of God. Come on. Jesus declared the word of God. It is written. Jesus knew God's word. When the enemy of his soul came to him, and you know what's fascinating about this temptation that Jesus experienced? The temptation that Jesus experienced was actually Satan quoting the word of God to him. Satan actually quoted the word. Here's the problem. Jesus knew the word better than the devil. Come on. Jesus knew the word, and he understood the authority and the power and the person behind that word. That was his heavenly Father. He knew who he was in relationship to his heavenly father. I have two sons. I'm very, very proud of them. And one of the things when my boys were both in church, now they're both off at school and moving on in their lives. One is in Connecticut, the other's in Gainesville right now. But when they were attending church here, one of the things I was so proud of them is that they never tried to use their position as my son to gain favor with people. Pastor Glenn was their pastor. I mean, he had many meetings with them, and, and they were a great blessing. They loved and served him, and I would hear about the youth ministry through them, but they never one time, I never heard of them using their position. But let me tell you, there was a time that one time I called my son and I said, Austin, I need you to go up to the church, and we got something that we need to take care of. And I remember he, he had to go in the office, and he just simply said, my dad said. And guess what? That action happened. You know why? Because they knew who their father was. They were in a relationship. And the people that were there knew who, they knew whose son he was. And when Austin said that to the, to the teammate, the teammate immediately responded. There wasn't a fight. There wasn't a resistance. You know why? Because my son knew that he was the son of Eugene Smith. Do you know whose child you are today? Do you know that when the word of God is dwelling within you and that when you speak the word of God, when you declare the word of God, do you know whose child you are? Do you know the authority and the power that is behind that word? Man shall not live on bread alone. You see, Satan was testing Jesus or tempting Jesus not to trust God for provision. 
Do you trust God for your provision today? Do you trust God to be your provider today? Do you trust God to be the, the source of your life today? You know, I find it interesting. Jesus was 40 days being tempted by the enemy. The Bible says that he was hungry. The psychologists have a term. They, they call it, uh, they, they have a term when people are dealing with temptation or dealing with addictions and struggles. And there is a time when most of us are the most susceptible to giving into bad habit patterns. And that is number one, when we're hungry. Everyone say hungry. Now, that's not just physical hunger here. It can be a spiritual hunger, a relational hunger. When you're agitated, when you're agitated, you're just kind of irritated. When you're lonely, when you're by yourself, when no one's looking, or when you're extremely tired. When those four things are in operation, and when they come together, like many times happens after church and our family, after we've done three services, and we've been here since 7 o'clock, and we've greeted people, and we haven't had any food yet, and we're trying to decide what restaurant to go to when we leave church. We've had hangry moments in our family. I know no one else has ever experienced that in their life, but you're most susceptible to the enemy's temptation to giving in to the work of the enemy in your life when that is taking place. But Jesus understood who he was in relationship to the heavenly Father. Jesus overcame. See, Jesus knew the word of God. Jesus knew the word of God. Jesus grew in wisdom and in knowledge of God's word. Psalms 119, I love what it says here. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He had the word hidden in here. When there's a problem in your life, when there's a circumstance in your life, when there's a situation in your life, what is your source of strength? What is your source of power? How do you combat temptation in your life to doubt God to be your source, to doubt God to be your provider, to doubt God to be your healer? Six weeks ago, we were sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor gave us a very bad report about Laura's health and the cancer had returned and all those things. And I remember sitting there and that feeling, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to explain if you've never had to walk through it, but it's like a dread. The doctor doesn't even like giving you that report. And I remember we were sitting there and in that moment, we had a choice to make. And this scripture verse just rang to my mind. It was Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven, where Paul says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And here, this what he says. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You know why I could quote that word right in that moment? Do you know why we could look at each other right in that moment and say, God's got this? You know why we could say that? Because we knew the word of God. We were able to declare, speak God's word. Not the doctor's report, not some man's report. Come on, not the, not the, 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 the whatever the diagnosis has come out today. We knew the report of the Lord. God has got this in your life. Whatever you were walking through, the psalmist David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Come on, God's got it in your life, but you gotta speak it. You got to declare it. I was surprised. I took a picture of Laura the other day. We, were, we had to go down to the attorneys and do some paperwork. And we were, we were down there. So, hey, t- take a picture of me. And she posts this picture of him. And she's like, I'm healed 100%. I'm like, man, I'm, come on. She's reporting she, 100%. Come on, 100%. 100%. 
No chemo, no radiation. Grateful for the doctors, grateful for skilled surgeons. We're so thankful for the skilled surgeons at Mayo Clinic, but let me tell you, there's a greater report. It's the report of the Lord today. And whose report do we choose to believe? Come on, we choose to believe the report of the Lord. God's got it. Jesus declared the word. God, Satan comes to tempt you in the area of provision. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's spiritual. Whatever it is in your life, God wants you to know he's got it for you. The second thing that I want you to see today is that you must refuse to test God with your actions. Look at this next temptation that comes to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, verse number 5, the Bible says, Then Satan, very fascinating, this whole dialogue and conversation, took him to Jerusalem, took Jesus to Jerusalem, to the pinnacle or to the roof of the temple. 400, and remember, the pinnacle of the temple is 450 feet above terra firma, right? So that's a long ways up. That's a long ways up. Come on, right? 450 feet. He take, and then, look what he tells him here. Jump off. You stupid devil. I, I remember it was, I could tell you there, it was 1984. I was 40, about 40 feet up on a ladder. And uh, I was working, my dad was a painting contractor, and I was working for my dad, and I was painting these beams about 40 feet up in the air. And uh, uh, the devil spoke to me through this uh, guy, this music band called Van Halen. <laughs> and Van Halen, they had a song, and the song was, Go Ahead and Jump. And I remember the song came on the radio. As they go ahead and jump, I said, Shut up! I ain't gonna jump, devil! You gotta be kidding me. Look at the devil wants you to tempt God with your stupid actions. Look what he says here. Jump off, he said, and prove that you are the son of God. If you're really this, if you're really a Christian, yeah. Don't, don't do something stupid to prove that God's all powerful in your life. Don't fall out of the stupid tree. Don't do that just to prove that God's gracious and merciful and kind. No, for the scriptures declares God will send his angels to keep you from harm and they will prevent you from smashing on the rocks below. Oh, God will forgive you. Yeah, God will forgive you. And God will have mercy. And God is full of grace and compassion. But when you do stupid things, you get stupid results. <laughs> when you make bad choices and you don't push yourself away from the table and you end up like me, 30 pounds overweight, with heart issues, come on. Ain't nobody to blame but myself. Come on. <laughs> it, it, this is really, this is not that complicated. It's simple, but it ain't easy. It's simple. Satan wanted to, Satan, you know what? Jesus had a destiny. Jesus had a great destiny. And Jesus hadn't lived his destiny yet. Jesus hadn't lived his mission yet. As a matter of fact, this is just the very beginning. Jesus had to overcome this temptation in order for him to go out and to do what the Father had called him to do. He had to prove that he was the God. He was not only God in flesh, but he was God in spirit. And by him overcoming the devil in this temptation enabled him to do the mission that God had called him to for the rest of his life. And Satan was trying to shortcut it. You know what Satan wants to do in your life? He wants you to shortcut the destiny that God has in store for you. It's like this. You're a single person. You go to city church. Oh, man, there's just no guys at city church. Oh, oh man, there's just no girls at city church. 
And so next thing you know, you find yourself in a club, and you be ba bop and a ba ding ba boom ba Right? And so you don't wait. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the wrong bedroom, in the wrong bed, in the wrong time. What you've done is you just short-circuited the destiny that God has for you. Now, God's merciful and God's kind, and many of us have made mistakes in this area of our life, but I gotta tell you, there's always consequences. There's always consequences. I mean, there's so many areas. People are going to a job, and they don't like their boss, and they're frustrated, and they're agitated, and, you know, this job isn't fulfilling. It's, yeah, it's paying bills, but it's just not, you know, I'm not finding, you know, meaning here, and they're not very nice to me, and, well, bless God, you get a little bump, and then, boom, you give them, you know, a piece of your mind, and then you're out of a job, then you're out of a paycheck, and then the rent man comes, and you can't pay the bills, Oh, God, have mercy. Yeah, God, have mercy, and he rescues. But let me tell you, you jumped. You went to the top of the pinnacle, and you jumped. And when you jump off that stupid tree, you hit every branch on the way down. And it was painful. I mean, there's just so many areas of our life. We short circuit. We short circuit. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus didn't short circuit. As a matter of fact, Jesus told him in verse number seven, Jesus retorted. I love the living Bible. It says, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to a foolish test. Satan was tempting Jesus with God's timing. Go ahead and do it now. Just get right to the end. Just get right to the good stuff. In the Bible, the children of Israel, the children of Israel also did this very thing. They complained against the provision of God. Next to chapter 17, they asked this question, is the Lord here with us or not? Is the Lord here with us or not? Have you ever said that before? God, are you really here? God, can you really help me in this circumstance? Oh, oh. Of course he can. God's got this in your life. Abraham in Genesis chapter 16 Gets a, Genesis chapter 12, he gets a promise. He says, through your wife Sarah, you're going to have a child. And that child's going to produce a seed who will be a blessing to the whole world. And at age 75, Abraham waits one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, eleven years. Promise, still, Sarah's still barren, still hasn't had a child. Twelve years, thirteen years, fourteen years. Short circuit. Sarah says, hey, I'm not going to, hey, I'm old. I'm an old lady. Hey, take Hagar over here. At least she's able to have a child. And so Hagar, uh, Abram was eager to oblige. And you know what? That one foolish decision in his life produced a child. child was not, the child wasn't foolish, but it short-circuited the purpose of God. And he produced Ishmael. And for 4,000 years now, 4,000 years, there's been conflict between the Jewish people, the promised child, the promised seed, Isaac, and the seed of Hagar through Abraham, Ishmael. 4,000 years. Bombs going off in the Middle East yesterday. Israel in turmoil. The Middle East in turmoil. All of them hating Israel. Very fascinating. 4,000 years. God has a greater plan. Don't short-circuit the purpose and the plan and the timing of God. It is written, Satan. I'm not going to do foolish actions. That's a decision that you make. 
The third thing, I want to close with this. We put God first place through our worship. We put God first place through our worship. And again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world. He said, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Liar. Nah. The devil won't give you the kingdoms of this world. The devil won't give you fulfillment. The devil won't bring you happiness. The devil won't give you significance and meaning and purpose. Never. Never happens that. It doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the authority. What the devil give you is pain, suffering, loss, brokenness, addiction. That's what the devil brings. That's his fruit. The fruit, the end result of not obeying God, of not worshiping God, not putting him in first place is not good. Jesus said to him, get out of here, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. It is written. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And listen to this last part. Look at the last part here. Then put the last, next verse up. No, we, we left something off here. Oh, there we go. Then the devil went away. Three tests, three temptations, right? Three temptations. He declared God's word. He refused. That's a choice that you make, a choice that I make. Refused to give in to stupid things. And the third thing is, the third thing that he did, what is that he worshiped God. He put God in first priority of his life. And then here's the fruit. Then the devil went away. Devil went away. Now he came back. Trust me, this wasn't the last battle. I showed you that little run. You know, so we're training for this half marathon. And we ran six miles last weekend. We ran six miles and a race at 5K yesterday. And guess what I had to do this morning? I got up at four o'clock this morning, and guess what I did? I ran. At four o'clock, I ran three miles. You know why? Because I'm training. And here's the deal. When the enemy of your soul comes to you, you're going to be tested. You've got to make a decision. You're going to declare God's word. You're going, to, you're going to take time. You're going to personally take time to memorize, to allow the word of God to get in your heart. You're going to do that. You're going to, re, you're going to say, you know what, God, because your word is in my heart, I'm not going to sin against you. You're going to make that decision. You're going to set your course. You're going to set your course. And then you recognize today that you need something greater than yourself to accomplish it. And that's his presence. And that's his power. Jesus began to worship God. It is written. I must worship the Lord of God. Lord be your God and worship only Him. God's created us to be worshipers. We worship God through our song. We worship God through our actions. We worship God through our giving. We worship God through our meditation. We worship God through our reading of Scripture. We worship God through our serving. We worship God in the kind of life living His prayer because there is a mission. There was a mission that Jesus came to accomplish. It's in, it's in Acts chapter 10, describes the why of Jesus' life. In Acts chapter 10, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit of power. Jesus overcame every test, every t- the same test, the same temptations that you and I have today. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around living his why, living his mission. He was living life, life to the full, abundant life, 
and healing all. You see, you have a mission today. You have a message today. You have a story today. I mean, I, I, was, I was preparing this, and I'm thinking about my own foibles and my own faults and the own challenges. That I, this is not. This is so simple to understand intellectually, but it's very difficult to walk out spiritually because it requires full surrender. It requires daily. Daily, I'm training for godliness, which holds promise for both this life and the life to come. It's daily I choose to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. It's daily I choose to worship God and worship him alone. Because, listen, there are all kinds of people who are under the power of the devil. But God was with Jesus, and God is with you. And God's got it in your life today. And his Holy Spirit and his presence and his power is available for every single person in this room. You can. Come on. You can live the life. You can live out the why for which you were created. You can train yourself for godliness. It's your part. But God's part is to empower you. God's part is to fill you, just like he did Jesus, so that when you go out, you do good in your job. You do good to your family. You do good to your grandchildren. Come on. You do good to your local church. You serve your community. You know why? So you can make the name of Jesus famous in your city, because God is with you. Come on, God's with you today. Will you stand with me this morning? Come on, God's with you today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap in this house. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise.